Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. You know, I, I really, I, I'm kind of in shock that we are already just a week out from Monaco. You think the season has flown by? The season feels like it's flown by. The week has flown, or the, the year has flown by. I mean, I, I, I just, I looked up, I'm like, holy crap, Monaco's like next week already. But we've only had five races. I know. And that's kind of, of normal, 20, but but still. So Monaco's not like the halfway point or anything. Maybe some of it is just because the season started a little later. Did it? It's like a week or two later. But it was still mid-March. But... Well, yeah, it was, but they pushed it back like a week or two. Oh, okay. I'll take your word for it. I figured mid-March is mid-March. Um, but, I mean, it's five races that are complete... Monaco is here. I think 2018 as a whole has felt like it's flown by. <coughs> and that may be some Regardless of, of like what's happening in the world of racing, um, the very fact that we are really and truly closing in on the end of May um, yeah, shocks me. I think the biggest thing that shocks me, which is entirely not racing related, is that we are closing in on the end of our son's freshman year of high school. Yeah, that's a bit weird. Which is totally strange because, I mean, it was just yesterday that, like, he was a toddler. <laughs> I mean, he's obviously a prodigy. Sure, okay. Because I'm not old enough to have a nearly driving-aged child. Well, you know who also does not have a nearly driving-aged child? <laughs> Let's see where this segue is going. For... Felipe Massa. Well, no, but he has the adorable Filipino yeah. We love him. He's adorable with his little matching masa suit. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I haven't seen him in a while. Granted, we, we just recently saw Felipe come out of hiding. He was in Barcelona. Sporting an unkempt haircut. Sporting an unkempt haircut and commenting how neat it was to be able to have an interview and not feel like he needs to rush. Th an interview on the grid and not feel like he needs to rush through it. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, the other thing that, and I know drivers tend to be short, unless you're Nico Hulkenberg, um, but watching that interview just exasperated how truly short Massa is. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, you are not a tall man. Like, I probably tower over Massa, and I'm not a tall person. But the reason I bring up Felipe is this week it was announced that he will be returning to racing. Formula One, Williams has hired him back? No, that, that horse has probably left the barn and not returning. And honestly, um, looking at what's going on at Williams, I suspect that Felipe is not at this point in a rush to get back. Mm. Um, no, actually, as we expected, he's going to be running in Formula E later this season or later this year. Um, he'll be joining the Venturi team for their 2018-2019 season. That is so cool. Honestly, I think Formula E is a good place for him. He allows him to continue racing, but it's at a different level and a different kind. It is. It'll be interesting to see him square off against some of the other Formula One drivers or former Formula One drivers who are running in that series. True. Speaking of Formula E, so next year, Mercedes will be fielding a Formula E team. 
So there has been some speculation as to who will be uh, the team principal for that team. Be the team principal for Mercedes team. Well, Nico Rosberg has stood up and said, uh, "Not it." <laughs> you mean he took a giant step backwards and said, "Not it." Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, my guess is he probably wants to in some fashion. However, his desire to not gallivant all around the world with his two kids anymore—you know—part of the reason why he left Formula One in the first place. Well, that and he wanted to stop the psychological games with Lewis. But well, there, there's there's that too. But but you know he wants to have a family life and all of these other things and oh, be a Vivian father. Vivian wants him to have a family life. Well, yeah, there's that too. She don't, but yes, he's going to some races and and providing commentary and stuff. He's not going to all of them. So if he were to become team principal for Mercedes Formula E team, that would require him to go to all the races. So. That would be probably why he is electing not to do so. Maybe he could be co-principal and like split the time. De- deputy team principal. Well, yeah, it worked for Claire. She got pregnant. She didn't have to show up at a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of them. If Nico just gets himself knocked up, he'll be fine. Yeah. That won't make the news or anything. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be weird. <laughs> So over this weekend is the Indy five the, the qualifying for the Indy five hundred. This is the, the big hundred and second running of the Indy five hundred. Yes, the hundred. Well, it's not as significant as the hundredth running of Indy five hundred. It is two years more significant. Well, <laughs> but the big shocker to come out of qualifying, James Hinchcliffe failed to qualify and may not be actually it is highly unlikely that he will be on the grid for the race now i think that is utterly stunning and when you shared that news with me i was like what happened so what happened um well for those of you who don't know who james hinchcliffe is i'm, I'm assuming this is a campaign that's going on in more than just northeast ohio but honda's been doing th- this dream garage advertising campaign on television featuring james hinchcliffe I'll have to take your word for it. It's not playing on Netflix these days. It's it, it's actually, they've been playing the commercial quite a bit. And, uh, one of the, the bits is he's talking about how amazingly awesome all of the various items in this dream garage is and walks up to his car and goes, huh, look at that. Here's my amazingly amazing uh, indie f- car. Ah. Yeah. Amazingly amazing? Yes. Okay. So deep thinker we're, we're talking here. Oh, but... It, it's a silly – the whole campaign is kind of goofy. Honestly, I'll tell you, um, he's actually a really fun guy. They've got a lot of fun interviews with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done very, very well historically um, in the in the Indy series. Well, the, the lead-up to the 99th Indianapolis 500, he had a massive, massive wreck. And came back within a year? Yeah. Um, so what happened? Uh, well, he got, I think, three different or, yeah, I think it was three different chances to try and get out there and qualify for it. Uh, there was a wide variety of different battles, plus a rain delay that popped up. All of that ended up delaying his opportunity to get out on the track for his um, third run. Actually, his, he only did two runs. Yeah. 
there were two runs he went to do. Uh, the the first one uh, was botched by rain. The second one, there was a vibration that forced him to abort it. And then the third one, he didn't get to do because time ran out in the session. Ooh. Yeah. That's got to be massively disappointing. Uh, yeah, hugely disappointing for him not to get into the Indy 500. Well, I'll tell you what. He can definitely make up for it at Mid-Ohio, and we'll cheer for him. Okay, fair enough. Alexander Rossi shirt. <laughs> Possibly, you know, on another day I might be wearing a Max shirt. Yeah. So, also possibly looking at IndyCar again, McLaren. Really? McLaren is eyeing both IndyCar and World Endurance Championship WEC in the LMP1 class. So the same class that Fernando is competing in. Where he's on loan to Toyota. To Toyota, and Toyota is the only one in that class. That's where they're they're looking to possibly field some cars. Now Toyota's not the only person competing in that class. They've got garageistas that are competing up in that level, right? Right, but the way WEC works is that yes, they're running LMP one cars, but because they're not constructors, they're their own class. Oh, okay. So, so it's I think guaranteed that Toyota is winning the title in, for their class. I think what it is is that it's an LMP1 car, but because they're a constructor, it's a prototype class, where for the other teams that are not technically constructors, that's the, the LMP1 class, or something like that. It's, it's something weird like that. Okay. <clears throat> Just so we you know, start to try to understand how they have guaranteed Alonzo a, a winning title by being the only ones competing. Team orders. Definitely team orders. So Zach Brown was talking at uh, Spanish Grand Prix that um, because of the, the budget cap that's being talked about for Formula One, that under the right circumstances, they could look at some other projects as well. So what, what Zach said was that we did the Indy 500 last year. North America is an important market for us, and we're a fan of IndyCar racing. So as we look at the budget cap and how you manage that, Looking at additional forms of motor racing is something we are considering. He also said the team would definitely consider a WEC entry under its proposed new rules for the 2021 season, which would bring the top category, currently LMP1, closer to production car specifications instead of prototypes. So what he said was McLaren has a long history in additional forms of motorsport. Whether that was Can-Am, IndyCar, we've won Le Mans. With the new regulations coming up for World Endurance, we are participating in those meetings and re- are reviewing what that looks like. We are a fan of the Le Mans brand. We would call, we would consider running the new, whatever they're going to call it, GTP Silhouette LMP1. I've heard various phrases. I think what's exciting is trying to go to Le Mans to win outright. That's the highest value for a racing team. Interesting, he says, Le Mans. Not the Formula One Constructors Championship. Le Mans is the highest. Well, no, I think winning a series at this point is a high. Like they would, they would be happy if they could win, you know, any of the top tier stuff. Well, at this point, I think he'd be happy to win a free ice cream cone at uh, the DQ. But I, you know, honestly, at this point, I'll settle for getting a driver on the podium already. 
I think it's I think it's coming this year. I honestly think that we're getting to the point where McLaren's going to get somebody on a podium. Just remember, three years ago, McLaren was telling us that they would have a podium. At some point. By Barcelona, three years ago. <laughs> yeah. I think, honestly, I think one of your best bets is actually going to be coming up in Monaco. Um, I... I yeah, possibly. With I don't know. Right strategy. The problem is Monaco is so processional because you cannot pass. You got to get pole. And the question is, are they fast enough through those corners? Because they actually aren't so bad. Are they fast I enough just, to I just beat don't Red Bull through the corners? Honestly, see, see, that's my problem. Is that at this point, I would expect the car to be doing with that Renault engine to be be doing better than seventh and seventh due to attrition because well, really they have not been up there because the on performance they're running the same engine as the as the red bulls the same engine as the renos and arguably in many respects the renos are looking better well and keep in mind that their seventh is alonzo who's overdriving the car well, Van Dorn's not up there. No, he's not. But I'll just, I'll, I'll leave you with, with this. I honestly believe that the next world champions will be, after Mercedes, will be McLaren. I think we'll get, I think we'll get to that goal before other people. Oh, and by the way, Ron Dennis is now fired, so. Well, it, 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 the point is all entirely moved because that's Ron Dennis. But... Okay, but here's the thing. Mercedes hasn't lost a championship since that was said. So he did say after Mercedes. So if Mercedes can just continue to be dominant for another, oh, seven, eight years, um, mm. you know, it's possible. It's possible. And not Ferrari probable. Back out of the series because they're probably the most likely next world champion. Yeah. Next most likely world champion. And. Well, Red Bull would have to take their drinks company and go home. Then maybe. And it's a shame because McLaren should be up there. They really should. I mean, I agree with you. But I think that, again, and I've said this like multiple times. In fact, I'm tired of my own self saying it. I think that last year the engine problems masked the aero and car design problems because they were so focused on, well, the engine keeps blowing up so they couldn't, they didn't see or they wouldn't see what the other problems with the car were. Therefore, instead of spending the time to also fix that while they were fixing buying a different engine, they've got a decent engine, but now they've got a car that doesn't work. Well, I, I also kind of wonder if, and, and McLaren had mentioned it, they were concerned about this happening. They did lose talent mm -hmm. due to the, the poor performance. Could some of this also be a result of that brain drain from losing? Also possible. So before we dive into Formula One, let's first go and have a quick recap of the standings in the Bloke and the Bird Fantasy GP League. It was a big week for Team Rocket as Phil's team jumps to the lead after the Spanish Grand Prix. In the last race, Phil's Team Rocket won the week for a second week in a row, ending up with 137 points on the week. 
Patricia's The Bird Team was second with 122 points. Michael's Mach 5 Racing came in third with 120 points. Agro's Puppet Racing struggled this week, ending up in fourth with 90 points. Richard's Fly Fast Team was fifth with 82 points. And the boys' Moonlit Black Cats Team was sixth with just 55 points. In the overall league standings, Phil's Team Rocket jumps three places up to first with 636 points. Agro's Puppet Racing falls to second with 629 points. Patricia's The Bird Team moved back to third with 627 points. Michael's Mach 5 Racing falls back to fourth with 622 points. The boys' Moonlit Black Cats team remains in fifth with 489 points, and Richard's team Fly Fast is in sixth with 448 points. Even though you've missed several races, you can still join in on the fun and join the league over at FantasyGP.com and enter the league code 148-31491 and put your predictions up against ours every week. Now, Ground force, huh? Now, admittedly, I, I don't really have the same dulcet, soothing speaking tones of Alan Titchmarsh. But... No, you don't. And it's been something I've complained about for a long time. I do love me some Alan Titchmarsh. <laughs> and if you don't know who we're talking about, um, Netflix and I believe Amazon uh, Prime Movies is playing uh, Love Your Garden. But that's not his good show. His good show was Ground Force. Alternatively to it, well, actually, after you find a Ground Force episode, go to YouTube and search Top Top Gear Ground Force. No, Top Ground Gear Force. One of those two. Top Ground the, Gear Force. The full episode is available. It is an episode that if you're in America, you never, ever, ever got to see. But the Top Gear folks, for, as part of um, every year, the British broadcasters do uh, something, a, a campaign, a fundraising campaign called Sport Relief. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Comic Relief, but it's the British kind of semi thing. Yeah. Um, but it's a fundraising effort, and the broadcasters all do something to raise money. Well, for this effort, the Top Gear, the original Top Gear folks, so James May, Richard Hammond, and Jeremy Clarkson, um, tr- took their own special take on the old Ground Force TV show um, with consequences that you could e- expect. And um, actually, as a result, there is um, a former Olympian gold medalist, and I think a uh, gentleman who was knighted who... Um, still has a price on Jeremy Clarkson's head. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I would not be surprised. But it was a hysterical episode. Uncomfortable in every way, but so perfectly top ground gear force. Yeah. Um, anyway, so thank you for the music of uh, Ground Force. In case anybody is curious, that is also the default ringtone on my cell phone. Um, so, you know, it's it's a it's a delightful sound, but uh, really cool things to see Phil like rocketing to the top of the standings. Well, that and you know I was a little surprised to see that he won. He's on. I mean, second week in a row he has won the week. Um, the other thing I notice is the top four, pretty close. The boy and Richard are falling back. 
Well, the Wait boy a had a really bad week last week. Well, that's because he's got Stoffel Van Dorn on his team. And he had Kimmy and Seb. Okay, so strategy is something we have not taught the child. Yeah. <laughs> um, but alas, yeah, we're, we're working on it. But still, um, good week. I see that I, I only beat you on the last week by two whole points. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's really tight. I mean, overall, that top four, fairly closely bunched, and then there's a big gap. So the question is going to be, and, and yeah, we're not going to stay on this too much because we don't want to get too deep into, actually, we don't really have any stories about Monaco, but the question is going to be, historically looking at the last couple of years and seeing how Mercedes has been not great mm-hmm. at Monaco. I mean, yes, they, I mean, Nico won a few times and, and it's been a while since Lewis has won, but historically Mercedes has been not great at Monaco and they've been less than great so far this year. Mm-hmm. Do you bet on Mercedes that, that they got their mojo back after Barcelona and they figured something out because in theory it's a processional race and if you can get up in the lead, you're going to be able to hold on to it. Or do you assume that this is going to be a strong track for Ferrari and Mercedes will get him again in Montreal? Um, I'm leaning. And I will tell you that I have literally changed my predictions for Monaco almost daily. Um, I am leaning personally to it not being a Mercedes day or weekend. Um. I am not leaning to it being a Ferrari weekend either. You think it's going to be a Red Bull weekend? Kind of lean into it's going to be Ricardo's turn. Well, see, that's the thing is Max has has traditionally also struggled in Monaco. Right. But I didn't say it would be Max's turn. Max keeps running into walls in Monaco. Yeah. He, He has magnetic attraction to walls. But I think it might be Ricardo's turn. But the reality is... Like I said, I'm changing. I go back and forth. I've changed it multiple times. And you don't have to finalize predictions until qualifying begins. Correct. And the thing to remember about Monaco is that because of the way the weekend works, their first two practice sessions are on Thursday, not Friday. Correct. So I plan on making my last decision, my last change, post those first two practice sessions i want to see who's who's looking strong in practice because basically and i'm gonna be honest with you you're predicting who's who gets pulled yeah that's that is the only prediction you're really making is you get pulled you're gonna win the race provided you keep it out of a wall actually the the two predictions you're gonna make safety cars yep i haven't changed my safety car count um I am predicting at least a safety car. I will just throw it out there. Yeah, there's a pretty good chance there's going to be at least one. I mean, I mean it's, in it's, my mind, it's like Singapore. You don't predict that there's going to be no safety cars. Yeah. Um, so we're going to see, but I'm going to hold that one a little closer to my chest after this. But I keep going back and forth. It's either going to be that Mercedes has found their mojo or we're going to see somebody that's really good in the twisty turnies. 
Yeah, uh, one of the stronger cars on the the shorter twisting tracks. It's not a track that pure power wins the day. No, it's not. It's a matter of how you handle and how fast you can get through those corners. So, the question that we are putting out now, moving off of this, um, the question that we are putting out now to our listeners, especially those where the service was available, was how many of you purchased the F1 TV Pro subscription or the F1 TV subscription, either one of them? Well, no one in our live studio audience purchased it, which is a good thing because we would be asking for a refund. Yeah, the... the what we are hearing is that um, the launch went um, pretty badly. You know, I was very surprised. And I'm going to, I told you this when we first started talking about how badly this launch went. I was really surprised that they didn't launch it for free. As in yeah. beta for free. Now, did they ask for the money so that they could hopefully control the number of people hitting the servers that maybe, you know, if you had, if you were going to put money down, you would be, that would weaken the stream. Like they would control the funnel. Um, because if they opened up and said, okay, it's a great experience and it's free and they hyped it for free, they might overwhelm their servers. But they needed to do a soft launch. They could have not hyped it and just kind of gone with the, it's available, and as people yeah. logged in to, the, you know, the dual streaming thing and said, like, okay, you know, trial week and that kind of thing. Could you have done that? But to have people pay for it and to have a bad experience is just wrong. Yeah, what we've heard is that from as soon as it was available, there were problems. Starting off at free practice one and going basically all the way through. Um, a what lot kind of, of problems did they have? A lot of buffering, um, a lot of stopping and starting. Things that we've had to deal with with our with, with the the slow VPN connection, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> where the stream would just stop and things wouldn't move along. Apparently, uh, live timing and scoring was not available through the app alongside F1 TV. You had to open a separate window on the F1 website. in order to get the timing and scoring done. Um, The one thing we did hear is that this only is impacting or only impacted the live stream. So if you went back to watch it on demand, you didn't have this problem. But the on-demand feed is just the world feed with no commentary, correct? Um, No live scoring, none of the other extras. What it sounds like, and, and, and this is what I'm not clear because I haven't seen it, and it's one of the reasons why I'm asking the question if any of our listeners have picked it up. Um, it sounds like at least for a couple of the practice sessions, there was no commentary. But there may have been commentary during the race. It sounds like they were carrying the sky feed. The, the thing is, if you're in America at least, now that that sky feed is being carried without commercials, if they're not giving you any of the pre and post race analysis, you're getting the same thing as you're getting from ESPN. Oh wow! Well, and that's true. I mean, you kind of you you set about <clears throat> to solve a problem ostensibly in America for the lack of coverage, and ESPN just undercut. They did the undercut. Yeah, there you go. 
they undercut you by carrying the Sky Sports feed. And honestly, once they figured out how to do it, it's a decent concept. I mean, it's it would be nice to have the pre and post, but it's better than we ever got with NBC Sports or Speed. Yeah, pretty much. So those of you who have subscribed to it, Formula One is refunding the first two weeks of service. Now, I... I don't know if that means that you got the week of the race and the week after the race, or you're getting the week of the race and the week of Barcelona or, or the week of Monaco free. But two weeks of service you'll be getting for free as compensation for the um, poor rollout. And what happens when Monaco is bad? Well, that's the question. Um, what Ross Braun said, because he, he, kind of apologized in the Ross Braun way yeah he said I confess social media is not a big part of my world but I do appreciate its importance in reaching new audiences especially among our younger fans three initiatives made their debut in Barcelona F1 TV the Twitter live show and F1 vision the most advanced handheld device on which to follow the race we talked about all of those already he said the launch of the former did not go very smoothly and apologies to our fans but we are dragging our sport from a place where none of these initiatives previously existed, and we will get there. In some ways, that's what Formula One is about, a sport where things are developed on the move and on the track with technology that is always cutting edge. We're in the front line with the aim of unleashing the greatest spectacle on the planet, and we want to take you with us. Okay. So, yeah. Those are lofty goals, Ross. Could you focus on passing? <laughs> um, Formula One has admitted that uh, they are doing, they have kicked off a major investigation to figure out just what went wrong. It broken? Well, what the root causes are. You know, do they need to oh, throw more do servers a root cause at analysis? it? analysis? Yeah. Because I want to read that. I really want to read the document that some IT boffin writes as to what the root cause analysis is. I'm assuming that all we're going to be told is we have made it better. And come Monaco, many folks over at Formula One Management are going to be standing around computers with their fingers crossed. Okay, so let me tell you what the root causes are going to come up with in their root cause analysis. They're going to say, servers were overloaded. We didn't expect the traffic that we got. The problem I have there is it's not like, say, oh, I don't know, a car launch where anybody who feels like browsing over to the site would could show up and get the stream. Folks have to pay for the subscription. They know how many subscribers they need to serve. Well, they didn't know the number of people that were going to subscribe on day of. Yeah. But that will be listed as a one of the root causes. I guarantee it because it's always listed as one of the root causes. <laughs> it was more successful than we originally planned and I mean even our fantasy league company had that problem. Um the other root cause that they will declare is that there is some server issue between the video feed and them getting it to the servers for the upload, that there's another server issue. But it will be a server issue that is out of their control. 
Well, they've already reminded folks that in order to pull this service off, they're basically taking data streams from multiple different service providers and trying to integrate them all in together and then fire them out at you. Oh, and the other thing will be that some of the buffering issues are, are your fault because you have slow <laughs> interwebs. I, I may or may not be familiar with the root cause analysis process, but it all will equal that it's not the guy that wrote the program and wrote the design of F1 TV. It will not be his fault. That is not any root cause. The tubes were clogged. The tubes were clogged. The trucks driving through the tubes yes. <laughs> had an accident. <laughs> yeah. So I know you're a bit more <laughs> familiar. Oh, we're going a different direction. There. We're going a different direction now. The minute you go so, I'm like, okay, which is the next story that you're going to go after? Because there's so many directions that we're going today. Guys, buckle up your seatbelts. We got stuff. No, we, we at least have some path path that we're following here so as you know and you know you can tell by by just the name of the circuit but th this past weekend's race is in the catalonia region of spain the the region that barcelona is correct the capital of and when we were in barcelona over the holidays we were talking to people about the election for Catalonian independence. <clears throat> that day. And and the overall legal status of the the Catalonian region has been an issue in Spain for a very, very long time. Long before the rioting and everything else that occurred back last fall. It's gone back. It, it dates back to at least, if not further back than Franca. Yeah. So, you know, those of you who are now sitting there going, well, who is Franco? You need to pull out your 20th century history books and read up on it because it's actually quite fascinating because one of the things, and I'm speaking to our American part of our audience because we have some number, I mean, I'm sure we have a large international base. Hi, UK, because I know all the F1 teams listen to us. <laughs> um, but not the BBC because we haven't gotten a and d yet. But our American audiences who may not be as familiar with the landscape of some of our European countries. Spain is a country that is made up of lots of smaller, very regional areas. Yeah. In, in some cases... Almost sub-countries. Well, I was going to say with a stronger independent streak than American states. That, and that's what, you know, we often think of these things, these areas as being like states. Well, okay, so there's not that much difference between Ohio and Indiana. That's not the way that is. It's not an Ohio-Indiana thing in Spain. Um, it's almost much more like the Greek city-states. Yeah. Know, it's that kind of independent regions that come together to have a country. And this leads to Catalonia feeling slightly like they'd like some independence. So all of that aside, and, and the fact that there is a lot of bad blood between much of the country, or at least where Madrid is, and Catalonia. And if you ever want to have super fun, get into a cab and ask about politics while we're driving from an airport to downtown Barcelona and watch Michael's face go like 14 shades of white and him go, why are you asking me? <laughs> anyway, 
So bad blood between the folks, Madrid and other parts of Spain and the Catalonian region. Well, the president of the Royal Spanish Automobile Federation, Manuel Avino Roguet, I'm assuming it's Roguet and not Roger, um, accused the promoters of the Spanish Grand Prix of using the event to promote a political message by playing the Catalonian anthem ahead of Sunday's race. Okay. So, Avino claimed the performance of the anthem was an alteration of protocol. Now, in response to this, the circuit issued a statement. What did the circuit have to say? Whatever. <laughs> was that in proper Catalonian, or was that in, was that in Catalan, or was that in Spanish? What they said, <laughs> the full statement. I, I, I summed it up, obviously. Oh. What they said was... Ever since 1991, the year in which the first Spanish Grand Prix was staged at Circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia, both anthems have been played on the grid 14 minutes before the start of the race. The procedure to play these anthems has always been the same. First the Spanish anthem, and then the Catalan anthem. During this opening ceremony, and ever since the first edition of the event, both flags are shown the Spanish flag, and the Catalan flag. In fact, a new format for the ceremony was introduced in 2015 on the request of Formula One with the attendance of authorities and the drivers at the head of the grid in front of the flags to provide it with more solemnity. They then went on to say, Last year, Mr. Avino attended the ceremony for the first time as president of the Royal Spanish Motorsport Federation, and during the ceremony, both anthems were played and both flags were shown. So obviously his cable company only showed the one anthem? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they cut to commercial. You know, that reminder of you were here last year and you didn't have a problem with it. But this year, what the hell? Well, it sounded <laughs> like he didn't know that the Spanish national anthem was also played. I I don't know. I mean, that's the way his comment reads. Well, but. no, his, his argument, he, um, and, and I, I didn't pull up the full the full statement from Avine, Mr. Avino. His argument is that because they played the anthem, that they were out of line, not when it was played or how. It, oh, whether, which, what you had read said something about that it was uh, played ahead of the Spanish anthem or played instead of. Well, that's the impression I got. So if I misunderstood that, I'm sorry. But I thought he was claiming that it was played in lieu of. Well, what what in summary was accuse them of promoting a political message by playing the anthem ahead of Sunday's race, as in before uh, the race, just not. Ahead of the right, yeah. So. But still, they've always played it. Get over it. Stop making a mountain out of a molehill. Move on with your life. To to close out their statement, just just to make sure that they, I, I, I give the full thing here. Circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia wants to express and state that it has always shown the utmost respect toward the Spanish and Catalan symbols. Excellent. I just wanted to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, of all of the things in this world that you could stop and find a way to complain about, that is so not one of them. 
again, you have been there while this was going on. This should not be a surprise. And why would you go about trying to stoke the fire of this? Well, the, the biggest problem I have is, again, as they pointed out, he was there. This is It's not like, oh, this, this year, year we'll do different. it. We've never done it before. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is, this is what we've always done. Mm-hmm. We didn't do it any differently because of the election. You didn't notice is what the reality is. You didn't care. You didn't care. You didn't notice. It wasn't a top of your mind. Now it's all hypersensitive because, you know, you might lose Catalonia. So moving on. Yes. Did you see the mirrors that Ferrari was running? I got to be honest. Mm-hmm. I was looking for, because we had talked about the possibility of halo-mounted mirrors, I was looking for odd mirror. You know, like, where did they move them to? Because I figured everybody was going to be moving those mirrors. And I didn't see the way Ferrari had them done until I was reading the article about the aftermath. And then you get to see the zoom in. The zoom in of these <clears throat> mirrors. What? It, why did they think that was going to fly? Well, as Charlie Whiting said, it was a liberal interpretation of the word mounting. (laughs) It looked like a C-clamp. So what was done and and how the mirror actually works, or or what what Ferrari had done, is they've got the mirror that comes off on kind of a bracket off of the halo itself. And then above the halo was another... Winglet. I, I was trying to avoid calling it a winglet because according well, the to Ferrari... Well, I've read okay. called it a winglet. According to Ferrari, there's no aerodynamic benefit. That this, this structure was only there to provide rigidity to the mount of the mirror. And this, this structure on top that is being addressed as a winglet, there, there's a connection to the mirror itself is basically a rod that went down from the bottom of this structure down to the top of the mirror. And Ferrari claimed that that was done to provide rigidity to the mirror itself. Charlie Whiting in the FIA said, um, no. (laughs) There's a flag on the play. That's an aerodynamic fixture there. You shouldn't need that to put mirrors on your car. Yeah. Um, They actually made that ruling before the race um, it may have been during the practice sessions on Friday they ruled it as illegal. However, recognizing the fact that in order to redo this, to put the mirrors back into a legal state, would, do, would require some fairly significant engineering changes. Um, they allowed Ferrari to run with them this weekend. However, you will never see those mirrors ever again. Now, see, when I saw the close-up, to me it looked like they had slapped a C-clamp on the side of the halo and then dangled the mirror <coughs> off the bottom of the C-clamp. That, yeah, that, not that really. Kind of, but but uh, that was the impression I got. But, yeah, it was, it was obviously some arrow trickery. Now, the good news is I don't think they actually gained an advantage by it, so therefore... And that's the thing. Nobody actually does, but for all Ferrari was going, no, 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 there's no aerodynamic advantage. This is just for for rigidity. Everybody else is going, are you kidding me? They wouldn't have done it all if they didn't think there was an aerodynamic advantage. (laughs) Yeah. Here's a something to that. How stupid do they think we are? (laughs) 
<laughs> They're Ferrari. They think you're pretty stupid. Now, the FIA has also come forward and said, hey, we know the rules around mirrors and mounting, especially in this general area, are kind of vague and wishy-washy. So anybody else who's tr thinking that they want to try something unique and different in this area, bring it to us for approval first. Don't try and run it. <laughs> I think that's a wise choice. Let's get some like design <clears throat> ideas and let's let's run it through the HOA before you decide to change your house. Yeah. So what the uh, what Charlie Whiting has been saying is that as a mounting they were allowed to do stuff only from the perspective of it being a mounting. But because of this funky wing that nobody actually believed was just a mounting piece, that's why it got banned. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Plus it looked ugly. <laughs> well, there was that too. So good news for Kimmy Reichen fans. No, not that news. He is. We have not gotten word on the contract. He learned how to speak English? No, not that news either. He sobered up. That's possible. I don't know. I don't check his Instagram feed, so I don't know. Okay. Apparently, he posts a lot on Instagram. Okay. I don't know. I, I don't follow him. Yeah. Um, no, if you'll recall, uh, he had an engine failure that took him out of the race last weekend. Yes. Um, root cause analysis was done. Excellent, and it was a server issue with too many people banging up against the server at the same time. Close, but not really. Somebody forgot to renew the domain name. No. Oh, darn it. Those are always colder, good ones. Colder, colder, colder. <laughs> I'm going the wrong direction. Um, they bought a two-pound nut, and it was the wrong size. Slightly warmer. Okay. No, it was a wiring issue. Um, apparently, due to a wiring problem, uh, he lost power to the left-hand cylinders in the engine. That's so his, he went from driving a V6 to a V3. Ooh. Yeah. That's not good. It's not good. It ended his race. However, the good news is because it was a wiring problem and not like him blowing up the engine, they didn't need to change his engine. So he will not incur any kind of penalties for an engine change. They just get to fix the wires. And probably fire the guy that should have made those connectors. Oh, like, yeah, there's that, too. Tight. I bet you they used Lucas, uh, the <laughs> Lucas connectors. I don't know. I bet they did. Well, no, they're Italian. They probably didn't use Lucas connectors. Yeah, probably not. They probably used the Italian version of Lucas connectors, and that's <laughs> the problem. They use the ones that the old Fiats or the old Alphas used to. <laughs> so... Yeah, no penalties for for Ferrari and Kimi Raikkonen coming out of so Barcelona. Far. Now, who did get penalties was Roman Grosjean. Yeah, he is. Um, his career's kind of uh, he's in a death spiral. Even Will Buxton said he was in a death spiral. Yeah, th this is not a good situation for him. Lost control of the car and um, elected at that point, I guess, to do a big smoky burnout. I guess. Did, he never let go of the clutch. He disengaged that, that, the clutch. That's what they were saying on Channel 4, is that he didn't do that. Now, what Grosjean said was going on is that um, he was trying to prevent the car from rolling back into the track, which it did, uh, and trying to keeping it out of the line of fire of the cars coming through. So which that's he didn't. <laughs> right. 
Um, but that's what he said he was trying to do. So Derek Warwick, former Formula One driver and ser several other series, um, he was the head of the stewards panel for the weekend that assessed Roman a three-grid place demotion for Monaco and awarded him two penalty points, which brings his number up to five because they feel he made the wrong decision. Okay. <coughs> I have to agree with them. So the statement that came out. The driver explained to the stewards that he felt that his momentum was going to carry him to the center of the track and therefore made the decision to apply power in attempt to cross the right side of the track and get out of the way of the cars behind. However, while crossing, he moved into the line of cars number 27 and number 10. The driver stated to the stewards that he made the decision to cross the track, trying to avoid the other cars, and that he felt this was his best option. The stewards found that while it is speculation as to where the driver's car would have ended up had he chosen other alternatives, it is certain that while crossing the track in front of the following pack of cars, which he chose to do, that a collision occurred. Further, in reviewing the video, the stewards found that the car was following the line on the left side of the track and was al almost fully off the track when he made the decision to cross it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, <coughs> I don't understand why he came back across. If he had, and I don't know all the mechanics of it, but it looked at one point to me like he tried to make an adjustment to get back onto the track and lost it the other direction and if he had just continued down the runoff yeah he would have avoided the whole thing but the keeping the clutch engaged causing the big cloud of smoke that meant everybody was going in blind yeah that was, was kind of scary that was frightening um so i agree with all of the penalties and i'm really kind of watching roman's year go down and down and down and Magnuson is doing so well I was reading an article and was wondering had you seen it and people were asking about Charles Leclerc you're going to say how is that connected well you know he's a Ferrari young driver mm -hmm. and you know there's speculation that there's going to be a seat up in Ferrari and Leclerc is driving the wheels off that Sauber right now but nobody is thinking that Ferrari's taking a second year Formula One driver. You know, I've actually I've heard some speculation that they thought that maybe he, they would. I think that's kind of nutty speculation that Ferrari and would I take somebody on their second the year. Best idea for Charles, <clears throat> honestly. Yeah. But the theory is that if Roman and this is Will Buxton threw this theory out, Roman does not come out of the spiral that he's in. He's going to be out at Haas. Well, what is Haas? Haas is the mid tier. Mm -hmm. You know is the non-junior <coughs> mid-tier team for Ferrari and that they'd get encouraged to pick up Leclerc to replace Roman to give him a couple more years in. Yeah, that that I think is more likely. I do too. I think that but I think that there's some great things for Leclerc. Now, Gunther Steiner does not agree with this penalty situation. Well, Gunther is wrong. He says um he said, Roman said, I had the decision to make. Do I stand still or do I go through? And he went through and he knocked two cars out. If he had stood still, we don't know. Maybe he would have knocked out five. It's never a good place to be. In the middle, whatever you do. That's my point of view. For me, it's a start incident. Whatever you do afterwards, it will be wrong. 
He didn't do anything stupid at the start. It's not that he tried to overtake or brake late or that he understeered into anybody. His car spun around, and yes, it doesn't look good if someone accelerates when you're in the middle of the track, but it's a millisecond decision that he needed to take. I feel sorry for them that they got taken out, but he wasn't trying an overtaking maneuver. In the moment, his reputation is not the highest one. He's an easy target. I still think he's wrong. Okay. Okay. So, how about Williams? How about Williams? Sergey Sorokin explained why he struggled this past weekend. Couldn't find the gas pedal? Um, no. What Sergey had to say. He said, it's the toughest race I ever did so far. I wouldn't even call it a race, really. I had a good start, a good launch, and then obviously I was caught in turn three with those spins and the crash ahead, and I was just in a position where I completely could not see where I was going. I saw that I was just about to hit the car ahead, which was Grosjean. It was so smoky I just didn't see anything. I needed to completely stop it to avoid the crash, and then once I passed it, I was like the last car by a mile. Then I started to struggle with, let's say it this way to not upset anyone. The problem is with seat comfort. And by the way, these are still his words, not mine. Okay. He said, we had it since the beginning of the year, and we never really had the opportunity to properly look and improve it. But in a race, it was, we did a couple of changes, and I'm not sure we were in the right way. So it was really massive. I was really struggling with the, you know, just staying in the car. Yeah. So he says he had a problem with his seat. And that it's been going on all season, but they could only—they never had a chance to look at it. In, any of those weeks? I, I, I don't buy that at all. I mean, they can do a seat fitting pretty damn quick. quick. I mean, goodness gracious, they've done it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a little bit of carbon fiber and some duct tape. I mean, come on. How, how complicated <laughs> is a seat? Um, I was more concerned that perhaps all the controls were in English and he spoke only Russian or, you know, any of those. No, I think that's a requirement that if you come into Formula One, you have to be able to speak English. I do, because I think it's because of uh, interviews. Yeah. However, did you happen to see the article with Patty Lowe? I don't think so. So, Patty Lowe (coughs) wants to explain... Williams's year so far. Mm-hmm. He's not one to mince words, so hang on for the quote. Are you ready? Okay. The pace is really quite bad. Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> um, he claims that he has not done a good enough job. This is the first car that he's actually been able to influence in, in his technical director role. Yeah. Um, he feels like he has not done a good enough job Um but he's just real. They're really struggling. He says the car is not good enough. It's not what it should be. There are some issues with it, but f- which fortunately we think we understand. And we're very busy doing a lot of work to fix those issues. None of those fixes are in place now, unfortunately, which is why we are struggling so much at a circuit in Barcelona, which is an unforgiving track for under underlying car performance we are not riding off the season from the minute the this car ran it was clear that there were some issues that we had to deal with we haven't yet brought anything that solves those that might be a problem patty 
the, so we shouldn't expect it to be any better, but we will do in all due course. See, see the problem I have there right from the start is that if you knew that there were these problems from the as soon as this car came out and it was tested in Barcelona, you should have known that the car was going to suck going to Barcelona and done something to fix it before you got to Barcelona. Yeah, they are targeting a mid-season uh, up increase, upgrade. Um, but he says he can't guarantee anything. We just lost our way in some critical areas, which we, are, we now understand. Now, much like McLaren... Williams is also dealing with some shifts in some of their tech talent. Yeah. Um, they're, uh, with Lowe joining from Mercedes and Dirk DeBeer coming on board from Ferrari's head of aerodynamics. That's the additions. Mm -hmm. But the outgoings, Doug McKiernan, who worked for McLaren from 16 years, just joined as their chief engineer because Ed Wood left, left his role earlier this month. So they're having shifts that are happening. So I don't think they're a team yet. I don't think they're working together. No. Well, yeah, they're still trying to do some integration. but Well, I think they need to go out and you know have a team building exercise, possibly do a ropes course, um, well, trust you, falls. You know, maybe Williams' team sugar daddy Lawrence Stroll can go and fund it for him. Maybe they should. What does old Larry Stroll have to say? Lawrence says, we're not there yet. Shocking. I, yeah. I believe in Williams. I believe in the team. Clearly, they got it wrong so far. I do believe this is a rude awakening, and hopefully it will bring the best out of the people and they'll fix it. I'm. It's it sure... Well, let me start that again. It's sure not as quick as we'd like and not as quick as they'd like either, but we're not going anywhere else. Obviously, the car clearly isn't where we hoped and wanted it to be. It's quite a way off. It's pretty apparent to the eye what's wrong with the car. Really? This is what he says. It's not going fast. <clears throat> That's yeah. apparent to my eye. He says, I gather everyone is trying their best. There's a great sense of urgency in the team. It's not that they don't recognize the problem. Everybody does. A blind person could see the problem. I know they're working hard to fix it. Okay. Maybe they should hire that blind person. Yeah. He went on to say... I'm not a born board member. I don't own one share of this team. I'm simply Lance's father. Whatever they can do to make the car go better, I'm in favor of it. Let's put it that way. But I don't know. I'm thinking maybe the rude awakening should be it really doesn't matter how much money Lawrence Stroll throws at the team. Lance is not going to go faster. You cannot pay the team to make Lance go faster. Well, it's maybe, not how it works. Maybe if Lance would stop crashing into walls, he could go a little faster. Well, Lawrence did want to point out that uh, Lance has beaten his teammate all five times and beaten a lot of people that the car is not capable of beating. I'm not sure who those other people are, but... That's what he says, that, that Lance has beat other people that the car is not capable of beating. Well, you know, more power to it. Yeah. I don't know. 
So we had our first in-season test of the season. And, yeah, there was the usual cars went fast this day and cars went fast the other day and stuff like that. For in-season testing, it's even, I think, less of a really big deal for us. It's less of an indicator for us as to performance during the season. Um, but the one thing I did want to note was Mercedes was testing a new season for, or a new system for the FIA. Uh, they mounted lights on the rear wing end plate. That, now, these will mirror the light that's down below the exhaust on the back of the car. Mm -hmm. The idea is that these would be used during rainy conditions to make the the – uh, the car's a little more visible, or at least make that light a bit more visible um, during, you know, times of mist and spray and low visibility. It's like in the 80s when we moved our the, to the third brake light in the back window. Kind of like that. No, it's, it's like exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> the only difference is that light doesn't indicate braking. Well, no. This is like having parking lights up a little bit higher. Kind of. But yes. So um, this is actually next year, I believe, is the last year of Pirelli's contract. Okay. Have we gone through another Pirelli contract so soon? They were pretty short contracts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, end of 2019 is when the current contract expires. Um, Pirelli says they want to continue supplying tires to the sport to the series, okay. um, but there are other series that they're involved in, um, and they have no interest in getting into a bidding war to remain in the series. Interesting. Now, we have not heard any word as to whether or not somebody else is sniffing around again, maybe Bridgestone again. We haven't heard anything, but Pirelli just wanted to put it out there that they are not going to get into a bidding war. So all of you people that are looking to make <coughs> tires for Formula One, back off. Yeah, something like that, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You think we could like make some tires for Formula One? No. Do them in our garage? No. They're handmade. I mean, how hard could it be? Pretty hard. Oh, okay. Just w without thinking anything else into what it takes to build a tire, just think about the number of tires per car that are supplied for a race weekend. Okay. And how what that number is. So let's think about this for a second. We have 20 cars. Uh -huh. No, I'm just going per car. I'm not even oh. looking deeper than that. Okay, you get four tires per car, and they get six sets of tires. It's either six or eight no, sets. No, it's six sets of dry tires, and then uh, how many wets and intermediates? Because they get more than one of each of those. It, it prob it, at least two to three. So let's just say they get 10 sets of tires Okay, so 40 tires right there. Single tires. Yes. Times 20 cars. Times 20 cars. Times 20 races. 16,000 tires. We can't do that in our garage. No. We might have to hire like a person or two. Yeah. Speaking of problems. Already. <laughs> what a segue. Yeah, well, already there's a potential problem with the proposed race in Miami. Because the proposed track sucks? Um, 
it's, it has to do with the track. It's not really so much that it sucks, um, but more that they may not be able to use some of the land that they wanted to use. What land is off limits to them? Okay. So I had to pull up a map of the, the area around the American Airlines Arena so that I could visualize what this was. Okay, so total niche question for you that only people that are from the Miami area are going to be able to follow. Okay. Is the American Airlines Arena the old Miami Arena? No. Okay. No. The American Airlines Arena was built new. Um, originally, I think that used to be Independence Park or Bayshore Park. or Actually, I think it was Bayshore Park. Oh, okay. Um, if... You remember the, the bridge that you took to get over into the Port of Miami. Um, when you were headed over to the Port of Miami, on your left, there was that park that yeah, went from Bayside. there. Yeah, it, it was it was the other side of Bayside and went all the way up to uh, the MacArthur Causeway. Okay, I know what okay. you're talking about. So half of that park is divided. Well, the park is essentially divided in half by a small waterway. And the side that is closest to Bayside is the where they put the American Airlines Arena. Okay. Okay. The race is supposed to go around the arena. It's not going to go to the northern part of that park. It's just going to be the southern part of that park. Um, but the plan was that the track would run along the northern edge of the arena all the way out to, to the bay, drop down um, south, to the to just before the, the causeway over to Dodge Island and then come back in and then up onto the causeway. Well, it turns out that the last third of the that area that they were planning on using to go all the way out to the bay so that they could run the cars right along the bay, mm -hmm. um, it seems they're not allowed to use that. The agreement was supposed to be, and this goes back to some of just general Miami politics and Miami issues is that when the agreement was when the arena was built to begin with, that portion of land was supposed to be a park. It was supposed to be greened in. It was not supposed to be used for anything other than being a park. However, after the arena was built, the city rented the land to the team, and the team decided not to make it a park. Oh, lovely. Well, Formula E got permission to use, when, when they had their one race, they got permission to use that area for its pit and paddock area when it held its one race. Um, since then, they've actually gone and ripped some of the stuff that was done for Formula E, try and make the effort to turn it into a park. If they allowed Formula One back in, they would have to undo some degree of that. Oh, my. And several folks on the city council have said no you're not doing that so it's not a huge area but it would mean that the cars would not be running along the bay which is the photo op that everybody wants right oh my well never fear this is a problem that can be solved with some greasy hands because it's the Miami City Council. Yeah. And no one sits on the Miami City Council that has not been indicted a few times. Pretty much. So the Banana Republic of Miami will sort all of that out. Never fear. It'll be okay. Either that would solve it. or maybe it's time for Formula One to go to their first oval at the Homestead Motor Speedway. 
Um, they should never do an opal. <laughs> that is a very <coughs> bad idea. <laughs> that is a horrendously bad idea. But I'm just thinking that there are some other South Florida cities that might be really cool for Formula One. Tampa? Southeast Florida cities. Where else? They could totally run up in Palm Beach. All of those shops on Worth Avenue, it would be just like Monaco. How about, oh, I don't know, up A1A? Yes. By Mar-a-Lago? Yes. <laughs> yes. I see no problem with this. <laughs> now, it, it would be a very straight race because A1A is a north-south road yeah. um, with not very many turns. But it could be a fantastic sound experience yeah something tells me the locals would not go for that i know but it would be so much fun <laughs> i mean otherwise you know they could look at something that would take them into the everglades you know alligator alley would be a great fun place we've been drag it's racing drag on that for years <laughs> it's a drag strip we've been drag racing on that for years <laughs> okay so let's review Florida is not a state that's designed for cool racetracks. <laughs> well, uh, see, it's a lot yeah. of long straight lines. The the thing is, though, Flo remember, Florida has hosted a Formula One race. Okay. Didn't go very well. See. Didn't make a lot of money, but see, and they did it on point. on a dedicated purpose built track for racing. Is mm. it Sebring? The problem was uh, attendance was really bad, and there was an issue with folks getting paid. That's always a problem. Paying people is important. But Sebring should be able to achieve grade one certification. The problem is Sebring is in the middle of nowhere. No one wants to go to Sebring. <coughs> I, could, I could offer up several much better places for a Formula One race. But in terms of established tracks with history, Sebring works. Yeah. That's about it. But it's in the middle of nowhere and didn't go well. Yeah. I mean, but also keep in mind that that was in the 70s prior to Formula One being heavily marketed. Okay. Effectively marketed. And that may have had something to do with it, too. Also possible. But again, Miami, probably not your best choice. And I have to tell you, my favorite line from David Cothard about why Miami's not the best choice was, well, you know, the states are on the grid system. I've heard that a couple times lately. Yeah. And they're kind of right. Well, yeah, we build our cities on grids. And then you stop and you think about it, and you think about, <clears throat> I've been to London, and I've been to Paris, and I've been to Barcelona. Yeah, not on a grid. Not a single one of those cities is on a grid system. Yeah. So, you know, kind of makes the layout of New York novel, if you think about it. Because that's a grid. It is. But you can place stuff to try and alleviate some of that but if i remember correctly the formula e race is going to be in brooklyn 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. So do we have anything after the Banana Republic of Miami having an issue with the Formula N- One race? No, I thought that was enough of a bang for us to go out on. All right. Week. Well, then let's call this a show. And the next time we talk, we will be probably post-qualifying in Monaco. Yes. And on that, we'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) Okay. Are they all gone? Is is everybody gone? (laughs) Huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay. Whew.